Welcome to Unlapped. Holy smokes, we have a lot to get to. Max Verstappen breaks his own record with his 16th win of the season in Mexico. His teammate has the internet in a frenzy while Mercedes and McLaren are making strong pushes towards the end of the season. Katie George alongside Nate Saunders and Lawrence Edmondson. Laz, you're fresh back from Mexico and now wearing your jumper. Much colder, I take it, in London this time of year? Yeah, yeah, it is. Uh, I don't feel too fresh back from Mexico, actually, because I got a bit unwell on the on the Sunday. <laughs> um, oh. I'll, I'll leave that to the listeners' imagination. Um, so, yeah, it was a bit bit of a ropey end to that trip. And um, quite glad to come back to London ahead of the Brazilian Grand Prix because a few colleagues and uh, a lot of people within the sport are doing Austin, Mexico and Brazil. And in a way, it sounds like it makes sense, doesn't it? They're all, you know, in that Western hemisphere. But the flight from uh, Mexico down to Brazil is like nine hours plus. And um, oh, really? yeah, the thought of doing that on top and then going to uh, Brazil, which can be quite a stressful place to move around as well in Sao Paulo. Um, it's, uh, yeah, I'm quite quite glad to be doing this one from London, but we'll be back in force. I think all of us in Las Vegas. So looking forward to that. I'm curious, since this will be the first race that we don't have somebody from ESPN on the ground, Nate, are you itching to be there or are you okay being at home given that the championship is wrapped up at this point yeah so i had the chance to go to this one and i've got to confess I, my enthusiasm for it was was not i, I wouldn't say low because i love the race but yeah the championship being over it's been a long long year and i think that at this point we've got vegas coming up uh it's a nice one to miss but you're always worried when you miss one especially if there's neither of us on the ground if something massive happens you're kind of you know, you're, you're, you're kind of hoping that the people that you can text, you know, going to come through for you with some, you know, with with some info or whatever. So there is always that risk. But yeah, I think um, everything Lawrence just said, um, I've enjoyed, I've been to Sao Paulo twice and both times I've seen a pretty good good time. The first one was when Max pushed Esteban Ocon uh, in 2017, I believe that was. And I saw 21, which was Lewis, one of his best wins ever, I think. Um, so I feel like I've been spoiled a bit by being in Interlagos. So yeah, I think also hopefully the itch comes back for next year because it is a great, it's a great venue to be at. It's just, um, it's just a long, long way. And I, I'm sure people right now are playing a violin listening to me. Um, but you know, at this point in the year, happy to, happy to have some extra weekends at home for sure. Yeah, no doubt about it. And uh, hopefully for our sake, nothing groundbreaking does happen. But if it does, we're going to get right into it. Remember, if you're watching on YouTube, like this video, leave us a comment and don't forget to subscribe to ESPN for more F1 content. And if you're listening, hit us with a five-star review wherever you get your podcast. It means a great deal to the three of us. All right. As I said, Max Verstappen won his 16th Grand Prix of the season in Mexico City last weekend, a new F1 record for most wins in a season, breaking his own from last year. Yes, we all know that 51 career wins, unbelievable. He has been breaking records time and time again, but it was his teammate Sergio Perez at his home Grand Prix that stole all of the headlines. First and foremost, I just want to get your all's quick thought on the incident into turn one. Do you uh, well, put it on Checo Perez? Do you put it a little on Charles Leclerc? Charles Leclerc said, you know, I know where to go. Yeah, I, Leclerc's right. He did have nowhere to go because he had Max on the inside and Perez on the outside. And I think it was just a case of, Perez giving it absolutely everything, seeing half a chance uh, to take the lead of the race from fifth on the grid, which would have been absolutely incredible. That place, you know, would have just gone into raptures if he managed to do it around the outside. But it just wasn't on. And, you know, it's similar to what Lewis did in Qatar. In fact, I think Lewis said he did a me in Qatar uh, in the cool down room afterwards when he saw, saw the replay. And, uh, yeah, there was just nowhere for Leclerc to go. And when you put yourself 
in that position on the outside of the first corner, it's very rare that you get away with that and uh, come away in the lead of the race. So I think it was was way too over optimistic. But in Perez's defence, I thought it was kind of kind of cool that he said, "Look, you know, I, I I'm sorry for all the fans." He was very upset with himself afterwards. But he kind of said that he felt he owed it to the fans to go for the lead if it was there. So that's kind of his logic and thinking of doing it. It was all or nothing. And despite that making very little sense with his current situation <laughs> with Red Bull going into next year, I've got a lot of respect for that. Like all or nothing driving, uh, you know, it, it's always it's always spectacular. You don't want to see a big accident, obviously. But, you know, that that's kind of what we want. We don't want drivers just kind of backing off going into turn one and uh, and not going for opportunities. So... Yeah, mixed feelings about it, but it was definitely, with hindsight, obviously, the wrong move. Yeah, I think that a lot of people talked about, didn't they, the Senna quote, you know, the famous Senna quote, if you no longer go for a gap, you're no longer a racing driver. I joked recently um, on another pod, I said, that quote, you know, Senna, probably if he had it back now, he would say, if you no longer go for a gap and you're definitely sure you're driving for your team next year, you know, then you're no longer, you know, there, there, there are times when, there are times when, Going for a gap just because it exists doesn't count, as Lawrence said. So I think um it and look, it was a human moment, I think, for Perez. Like he got, you know, got caught up in the the thought of leading into turn one at Mexico. Um and Lawrence is right. I mean, just on TV, I can't imagine what it was like there, because you in the media center in Mexico, you can hear the sound of that stadium. It it's so loud. And on the TV, you could hear the 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 kind of the energy just drain out of the place as Perez as Perez crashed. Um yeah, gutting. And it sounded it sounded like you know, a good chunk of the crowd all left as well. So, you know, gutting is it's 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 gonna be one of those great kind of what if moments because I think Perez, even if Perez had come out of that corner second or third, that's what's kind of frustrating about it is if he'd been third still, I think that he pretty pretty quickly gets past Leclerc. Does he catch Max? Who knows on current form, but a second place given the context of his season would have been huge. And instead that crash kind of just massively it just was a massive foot in the door for anyone who thinks that Ricardo can get into that seat next year or anyone can can drive in that seat next year because obviously Red Bull keeps saying that Perez can have it uh, so, sorry will will have it but you know moments like that you start to wonder you know will there be a change um but um but yeah I I think as well I think that importantly Christian Horner agreed with with what Lawrence said there you know he went for it he's a racing driver yeah it was his fault but I think that there was a bit of leeway given in the aftermath of like you know it shows you how much he wanted to win so you know, if you if you if you're scrambling around for some positives for Checo, it's that you know it wasn't the worst thing he did. You know, it wasn't like he crashed out and it was completely his fault and he was going for tenth. You know, it was it was it was something that I think that any human being could probably, if they put themselves in that position, they'd have probably done the same thing. Yeah, that's certainly a silver lining. And right now, Sergio Perez, I think, needs a silver lining, um, considering what popped off on uh, Twitter and everywhere else, all over the internet after the race concluded. Uh, there was a tweet put out by somebody that you guys know, and we don't have to um, dive super deep into this rabbit hole, but Albert Fabrega put out a, a tweet. Uh, I cannot interpret this, uh, so you guys might have to on my behalf, but essentially this very um, ominous tweet, is that a fair word for it, with not a lot of detail and not a lot of hard evidence was put out from the paddock? And then um, you guys tell me what happened on the ground, Laz. Um, I'm just trying to find the tweet to to translate it. So the tweet, uh, I, 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 I'm not going to give you the Spanish. I can give it while Lawrence while Lawrence looks through it. Yeah, the, the English translation was 
Uh, I cannot believe the rumor, or I do not want to believe the rumor I've just been told in the paddock. Full stop. No, full stop. So very dramatic, very cryptic. And obviously from Albert Fabrega, who is a very, very well-connected and you know long-established journalist. So when someone like that tweets something, you think, wow. And it come just after Perez has crashed out. Not just after, but just after the race. So the implication I think that most people had was it's about Perez and he's either, you know, he's retiring or he's, he, you know, he might not even see in the next race. Um, I mean, Twitter went wild for it. I can't imagine what it was like in the paddock in the hours after that. Um, yeah, I mean, sadly, I wasn't there because I was ill, but um, oh, you from, see, what yeah, I, uh, from, from the <laughs> hotel room, what I could gather, uh, yeah. it was, yeah, it was kicking <laughs> off. And it's, it's one of those weird things where it was, it was so, uh, inconclusive what he was getting at that pretty much every single rumor that existed in f1 at that time just was yeah plastered all over twitter by <laughs> mainly by fans i'll be honest but you know there were a few journalists kind of chipping in as well and so um no one really knew what it was about the obvious one was some kind of perez announcement because of what happened in the race ricardo had obviously had a brilliant race uh in the alpha tauri so that was an obvious one then some people went down the fernando alonso is going to replace Perez at Red Bull, obviously uh, Albert being uh, Spanish and, and having a lot of connections with, with with Spanish media and obviously Alonso's camp may have had some inside information there. So people jumped to a conclusion there. And then it went as wild as, oh, well, Lawrence Stroll is about to sell Aston Martin and therefore no one knows what's going to happen to Alonso in the future. And maybe Perez is going back there for that reason. And it just, it just got wilder and wilder. So um, it, it's kind of good in a way because... We got so many rebuttals over the last week to all those rumours that we basically had all these kind of rumours floating around a little bit in F1. But for the first time I've seen in ages, like Helmut Marco was quite clear on Perez's future, saying he will be at the team next year. Obviously, Christian Horner has been fairly consistent with that, saying that he will be there next year. Um, Alonso's come out and said there will be consequences. Uh, this is in the Brazil <laughs> paddock this weekend. There will be consequences for people who spread rumours like that. So, um, I mean, the story is kind of... And, from, and he refused to elaborate point. what the consequences would be. I think every journalist <laughs> has asked him, what do you mean by that? And he said, I'm not, you know, I, I, I won't explain. So that's, just add that into the book of great Fernando Alonso quotes. But Lawrence, sorry, carry, carry on. Yeah, no, exactly. No, the, yeah, it, that's very true. Um, And then, yeah, for, for, for this single tweet, which I, I'd like to think... Uh, Known Albert and kind of his his Twitter feed as well, which is generally like spot on. It's usually like technical stuff. He does these great comparisons on every mm. um, Thursday, long before like most people get a look at the cars. He's down in the pit lane checking them out. So you know, there's a lot of respect for everything that he puts together. And I'd like to think this was just a relatively innocent thing where he had heard something and just for whatever reason thought, right, this is about to break. I want to get slightly ahead of the curve here, but. I just feel like in doing that, even if it was an instant tweet, it just kind of unleashed this torrent of of uh, rumours around the internet, uh, most of which have now been um, uh, denied. But he, at no point, I think, has he, as far as I'm aware, has Albert said what it actually was or even really... So he, he he's clarified to say that it wasn't about a driver switching teams. So he's clarified that. So, you know, I think that that's... But then, but that was only that was only yesterday that he said that. So it's kind of like don't know why the the clarification didn't follow the the tweet. Um, so then, my- of of the rumors, then if it's not about a driver switching teams, of the rumors that were listed by Laz, that would leave Perez to retire or Lawrence Stroll to sell Aston Martin. Yeah, and I think the the thing is with a lot of these things, there's always kind of like a kernel of truth somewhere. I wouldn't be surprised if at some point Aston Martin have some investors coming in soon just given that alpine have been doing that and there's clearly talks going on but i think that 
Lawrence Stroll selling the team after the investment he's made into it is kind of crazy. My favorite one of all of them was if you if you went through the um the tweets and you looked at all of them, some people were really putting their detective hats on. One person then tweeted uh, tweeted, "I know what it is, guys," and and people were like, "What is it?" He says. They've stopped serving tacos in the media center, <laughs> which I mean, if I had heard that rumor, I'd have tweeted about it. I'd be like, this is crazy. Uh, I imagine as he, he's running back down the paddock to get some. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's kept the week interesting at the very least. But a bit reckless, would you not say? I mean, based on how many things came from this, the fall, I mean, not necessarily a huge fallout because it's all just hearsay on the internet. But I, I just think that it's a little unfair to do that to some of these drivers in particular Sergio Perez. And I'm yeah, not sure I mean, if Albert like, I'm not I'm not sure yeah. if Albert knew knew what it was going to do either. Um you know Al, uh, Lawrence is right Albert's massively respected. I just think I, it's probably just a tweet that I haven't actually had a chance to speak to him about it but maybe he'd want it back. Um 11 million views it had which was crazy. So you're right it it went all over the place. Um and that kind of tweet I think's fine if you're if you're then following it up with this is what I've heard. If you if you couch it as this is a rumor, by the way, guys, like you know, you make it clear, hey, you know, you put like rumor all over it, you stick all these stamps on it saying rumor, 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 and you say I've heard this, then I think you know it's still not it's not great because you're kind of saying I've heard this unsubstantiated. I don't know. Uh, maybe it's the maybe it's the age we live in. Maybe that's the maybe that's the future. I don't know. There's a in a it is a good reminder to everyone, isn't it, that the I mean, I don't actually use Twitter that much. And this is part of the reason is because no matter what you put, people will interpret yeah. it in their own way. And so, you know, to to put something out like that, I, I guess is slightly irresponsible because it just left so much open. But um, but it is a reminder that, you know, even when you have something which you can be quite sure of, somebody will turn around and tell you that you're wrong, even if you have the information from a reliable source, or even if you have a quote, you know, people will still disagree with you over what's been said or how it's been portrayed and all that kind of stuff so i you know i feel like it's um it's a tricky one a reminder of of, of why twitter can be tricky and and i mean I, I when i do tweet or when i do post stuff uh in in those kind of mediums i kind of treat it like i would a news story if i don't know it for certain then i don't mm-hmm. put it up there and i think twitter when it's used best and there's lots of really good journalists who do use it in formal one to, to great effect it's, it's just kind of like giving a little bit of flavor around what you maybe you would normally report on like just the small stuff that comes up the tiny little fia decisions things like that and again that's one of the reasons why albert has all these followers is because he does pick up on all these nice little kind of little facts and changes and you know technical bits and he puts them out there and it's a really useful resource for so many people but yeah i think it's just a reminder to everyone that every now and again you you might think you're doing something fairly innocent and you're just you know in your head it's obvious what you're doing but to everyone else, you know, uh, whether they're doing it mischievously or not, they're going to interpret it in a different way. I just want you guys to ask and then report back on the podcast when you have a conversation or you see Albert next, just say, what was your first thought when you saw it, obviously getting retweeted, retweeted? Like, yeah. I would love to know his initial reaction when it popped off. Um, because I think we- in that situation, you can't really delete it either. Can you at that point, you know, the, the genie's out of the boss. So I, so I guess in that point, he's like, I've got to keep it up you know before we put a bow on this i just want to ask of the rumors which one's the most blasphemous perez to retire perez to go to aston martin alonso to replace sergio perez at red bull lauren stroll to sell aston martin the world is your oyster i would say alonso to red bull i i I would i would put money on those others happening before uh before that just given first of all that I think Christian Horner's had 
several opportunities to sign Fernando Alonso. Hasn't done it. Alonso, I know he's kind of in this more nice era, but he still comes with all that baggage. And I think as soon as you put him into that environment, you've also got the fact that you don't just get Fernando Alonso, you get Flavio Briatore, his manager, or you know someone who's been affiliated with him for a long time. You put those two in a team with Helmut Marco, Max Verstappen, Max's agent Raymond, Max's dad Yoss. I don't think Red Bull need or want that situation. Um, it's a lot of personalities in just, one room. Yeah, I mean, it's just an absolute nightmare. And you'd probably then go to the other issue, the other side of the spectrum to the current one, where the current one is Perez is not as good as as Verstappen. I think in that situation, Alonso and Max would be pretty close. I think they'd be clashing a lot more. There'd be a lot more infighting within the team. You've got to ask yourself, which one is the better situation to be in? I think the, at the moment, given how far ahead Red Bull is, the better situation is to be in with Perez. You know, you'd rather have a driver that's just not really causing you headaches with the other driver. He's just causing you headaches because he's not scoring points. Um, but yeah, Perez, Perez retiring, slightly less blasphemous, but still a little bit. I, I don't see why he would at this point. I think when he leaves Red Bull, he's going to have other suitors. There's going to be other people interested. So I don't know. Um, yeah, I, I think the worst of the rumours is to start talking about teams being sold. Also, because that didn't, that really didn't, that came from nowhere. So as I was concerned, yeah, I said Lawrence Stroll might be selling as a master because not only then are you dealing with uh, a pretty punchy rumour, you're also dealing with you know people's jobs and security yeah. and stuff going forward. So I think that's you know obviously an irresponsible one to put around. We should say that Albert didn't at any point hint that that was the case. There was no indication from him that. Uh, it was Aston Martin being sold. That seemed to purely come from the imagination of uh, of Twitter users. So I think, yeah, there comes a time when it's very understandable as well from PR people or the drivers involved when they're having rumours spread about them to kind of come out with a pretty stern response and say, look, you know, let's stop being silly and move on. And uh, yeah, you know, we'll keep you up. And sorry, sorry, Lawrence Okay, but just to put a final bow on it, and I'm not sure if we're going to, but Ricardo actually spoke about this today, didn't he? I wasn't sure if that was the next place we we're going to go with it. But he's also yeah. kind of just drawn, he's drawn a line under it as well and said there's been no talks with Red Bull, which is information I've heard from multiple places as well. I think he knows that there's a possibility that could open up next year, but everything we've heard this year has been Perez is staying. Um, and yeah, Ricardo basically confirmed that today in the in the media stuff. Um and yeah, I don't know. It's a shame Lawrence Stroll doesn't have a media session because I think this one would be quite an entertaining one. Uh, yeah, I'd say. All right, no more rumors, straight facts from here on out. The Brazilian Grand Prix preview is upon us. Uh, let's start with Mercedes because obviously Lewis Hamilton got big points in the hunt for P2. He's now 20 points behind Perez, three races to go. We saw some awesome overtakes from him in Mexico. This is a home race, if you will, for Lewis Hamilton, a special track certainly for him in Brazil. Do you feel like this is finally the track, the place that Mercedes could break through and we don't see Max Verstappen or Red Bull sitting atop the podium? I think it could be, yeah. I mean, this was the race they won last year, the one race they won with George Russell uh, uh, winning it last year. And then if you look at the last two races, okay, they got disqualified from the US and, you you know, it's fair to have an opinion on that and say that the car was running illegally. Therefore, you know, it, it's right that it didn't count. But the performance was there and uh, the margins by which the car was illegal were very small. So um, sure, they gained a tiny bit of performance from it, but um, it wasn't a huge amount. And then that performance was backed up again by not so much a qualifying pace, although they weren't actually that far off max. It's just, you know, less than three tenths, two and a half tenths of a second. Um, and uh, the race pace was fantastic. You know, it was superior to Ferrari's. Um, you know, it would have been interesting to see what would happen if Lewis had qualified a bit higher up the grid. 
and was able to challenge the Red Bulls into into the first corner. So, because um, Lewis, remember, got the fastest lap on the final lap in Mexico. That, you know, that was pretty impressive. So things are definitely going in the right way. Um, Lewis said today uh, in Brazil that, you know, he's not believing that this is some kind of major breakthrough and his whole kind of situation with the competitiveness of the car is about to change because they had a similar feeling last year and that proved to be false. So um, I think we still have to be a little bit careful. But if there's a track that's going to suit that car, um, I think uh, you know Brazil could could well be it based on last year, but also based on the character characteristics of the car this year. So um, yeah, we can just see how they go. And I think realistically, when you look at the other two races afterwards, Las Vegas and Abu Dhabi, this is definitely the best shot um, for Mercedes to uh, stand a chance because I think Abu Dhabi will probably be a Red Bull track, and Las Vegas is is so open. We know so little about it that at this stage, you have to say that that Brazil's a better shot. Passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusions apply. Now, let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac, weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom! Añejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good! The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liqueur, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. An interesting note and worth pointing out, after 11 years with Mercedes Nate, Chief Technical Officer Mike Elliott is going to lead the team. How big of an impact will that have on Mercedes? And, and I believe he was the one who was behind the zero pod kind of design. Yeah, so he oversaw that department that um, that pioneered that. And I mean, this was it's been an interesting um, situation to follow with Mike Elliott. Earlier this year, he and James Allison effectively swapped roles. They um, James Allison came back to head up the technical department and um or at least i think it's am i right in saying lawrence he's now james allison's back to technical director or is he executive yeah, technical correct. director he went yeah. to technical director and uh Mike and went the other way chief technical officer yeah which, so it was and it was interesting at the time because toto wolf said you know that's i think the, the phrase he used I actually looked back at it when i wrote the news story he said it's mike elliott owning the process you know what toto wolf said was mike elliott said i think i'm going to be better for the team in this role you know instead of instead of the role he'd been in the Mercedes didn't really elaborate on the reasons why, you know, and I, I don't know whether a lot of people saw that, saw that news earlier in the year as a demotion for Mike Elliott. You know, it's not, it, it, it doesn't exactly scream that you've got the most confidence in the guy. So maybe he's looked elsewhere, but the thing with Mercedes is that's quite interesting. Um, and it's quite impressive is they've, they seem to have a lot of talent. They've got depth in talent, you know, and I know that a lot of people have gone off to other teams in recent seasons, but this is an opportunity for a lot of those people 
you know, working below that structure to to make a name for themselves. Um, and yeah, it's a shame for Mike Ellick. I think his name will always be kind of associated with that zero sidepod concept that they basically got rid of. Um, and, you know, F1's all about innovation. And that was, you know, that Mike Elliott and that department brought in something that was very, very different to the rest. Obviously didn't work, wasn't wasn't a winning concept in the end. But if you didn't have concepts like that, I think Formula, Formula One would be worse off for it because that's, you know, if you look back at, especially in the 60s, 70s, 80s, you know, long, long time ago, the cars all looked incredibly different. So the fact Mercedes did that, you know, I've I've always thought was 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 a pretty kind of a pretty cool quirk of last season because, yeah, you just had. I mean, this year it's a shame in a way they've all converged because last year, looking at all the cars, they looked so different, and now they don't. So, um, yeah, sad to see him going away. You never like to see somebody leave a team if you suspect that maybe it's you know them feeling they've been pushed out. But um, didn't realize how long he'd been at Mercedes either. He's been there for for a long, long time. So I think internally, I'm sure they'll it'll take a bit of time for them to get used to him going on. But Mercedes just. Yeah, I'm sure they'll in the long run they'll be fine. Yeah, well, one of the key things about Mike Elliott is that that period of success that Mercedes had that you know came before the, this Red Bull success. Now he was a key part of that. He was head of aerodynamics and he was uh, the technology director. And so in those roles, uh, I think you know he he was great because he would be able to come up with these brilliant ideas. And in fact, during that period, Mercedes had quite a different concept to Red Bull and the rest of the field. And guess what? You know, back then it was working. So um, I, you know, I think the one thing that, by his own admission, Mike Elliott, when he when he made this kind of move sideways, whatever you want to call it, from technical director to chief technical officer, was that perhaps he wasn't the right person to really galvanise everyone when they really you know needed to come up with with new ideas, and perhaps he wasn't bold enough as well when um, uh, you know they went at the end of last year and they were still pursuing this same you know, you can call it the zero sidepod concept. I think it's a lot more about what's going on underneath the car and and the general kind of setup and geometry of, of, of the suspension and things like that and, and the way they kind of pin themselves into a corner with, with some of that stuff. Um, you know, it probably they needed someone strong at the very top to say at the end of last year, you know, no, this is not working. We need to change this for 2023. And that's one of the things like Lewis has come out and said afterwards is that he said that he knew as soon as he got in that car, almost as soon as he saw that car, that it wasn't going to be competitive because he saw a lot of the similar traits carried over uh, from last year. And then, of course, we had that kind of Bahrain qualifying situation where Mercedes was so far off. And that's when Toto Wolf was like, right, the concept's changing, you know, we're uh, mixing everything up. And from there, we've had these gradual changes as we've gone along. So um, you know, I think it's it's a bit unfortunate because it's it is another very talented engineer that Mercedes lost, and, and you know, they if you think they've lost James Bowles to Williams uh, in the last year, uh, there was Eric Blandin who went to Aston Martin from the Aero side as well. Uh, some big names have have, have gone from the team. Uh, Aldo Costa retired. Um, we actually went to Delara, but he left F1 um, not so long ago as well. So there's been yeah, some really big names on the technical side. And Nate's right, there's lots of strength and depth there. And hopefully this will create opportunities for, for new people to come through. But um, yeah, it's a lot of pressure now on James Allison, uh, who's a guy who does deal with pressure very well, it should be said, but a lot of pressure on him to now make sure they have the right direction. And basically by this time next year, are in a position where they're, they're regularly fighting for uh, race wins. By the way, I like a uh, job description of each of those two titles that you mentioned so that I can see the difference between the two because they sound the exact same to me. Yeah. So it, well, d- depending on the team, sometimes <laughs> they are very similar. So I think, is, is Adrian Newey still Chief Technical Officer at Red Bull? He certainly moved up into that position. I was just checking that out. Yeah, he is yeah. still Chief Technical so, Officer. But, I mean, it, it does vary on t- team to team. At Mercedes, the idea was that the technical director would have um, a lot more control over the car that is um, 
both being built for the existing season and the next season. So they're really in charge of the direction of, of development and everything. The chief technical officer takes a much wider view of what needs to change within the team. So where they need long-term investment, things like that, uh, more theoretical ideas of, of where they want to go with stuff rather than what needs to change uh, in the immediate future. So that's the way it was presented by Mercedes anyway in those two roles. And that's why they felt that James Allison was so much more uh, uh, kind of suited to the technical director role and Mike Elliott was maybe more suited to the chief technical officer role where you're kind of, you know, you're not at the races as much. You can stand a little bit back from it. But um, actually, James Allison had wanted to move into that role originally to kind of move himself a little bit back away from the front line of F1. So um, it all depends on what the individuals need and want at the time. But from what Mercedes have said in their structure, that's the difference between those two roles. I hope that makes sense. I mean, they're still fairly okay. similar, you know, top engineers in the team. But yeah, that's kind of the idea. 20 points, as I said, between Lewis Hamilton and Sergio Perez. Hamilton has closed the gap by 35 points over the last five race weekends. Okay, so that's an average of seven per race. If if he keeps that pace, he would jump Perez by one point at the end of the season. As betting men, who's your money on to finish second in the driver's standings? Nate, I'll start with you. Oh, that's a good one. Uh, I mean... It's harder to say Perez. I want to say Perez because I think Perez needs it. Uh, and I think that Lawrence is right what he said earlier. You know, we've got a Mercedes track coming up, then a bit of a wild card, and then something that is probably definitely a, a, you know, Red Bull should have the edge over Mercedes at least. So, yeah, I would say Perez, but it's it's getting super close. And that and that's why the, the incident in Mexico was so big, right? Because uh, Lewis was able to take a huge chunk of points out of him and yeah once that once that momentum starts it's sometimes you know you, you can just ride a wave and Lewis definitely is at the moment as well fast math what would it have been if Lewis hadn't have been disqualified in Texas well he'd, yeah. have, he'd have 18 points extra so yeah, yeah we, we, we'd be down to two points right I'm, I'm, am I missing yeah, yeah no you're right you're right so I mean actually well I'm not gonna take my bet back now I'm saying Perez, but actually having having on the record that yeah, having remembered that before, I would have said differently. But I'll let Lawrence take the Hamilton bet if he's doing it. Yeah, no, I, I, that's exactly the point I was going to make. Is that it, it's true? It is an average of seven a race over the last five races, but that's not really true of performance. Now you could also argue that well, had Perez not uh, made that mistake in Mexico, then mm -hmm. um, you know then he'd have points back on Lewis, which is which is probably fair as well. Because the Red Bull did look did look pretty competitive, but it would have been actually fascinating to see that battle unfold. If say Checo had got up to you know second or whatever, we'd had that red flag as we did for the Kevin Magnussen incident, and yeah. then Lewis had had a chance to fight back at him like he did with Leclerc. You know what would have happened there? I think I think it could have been um, pretty thrilling, especially with the Mexican crowd on one side, uh, fairly obviously. So um, yeah, uh, I, I think at the moment the the performance, just the the general consistency of Lewis over Perez, uh, in my mind, means that if, even if the races go to plan over, over, over the next few, uh, well, next, you know, three races that we have, I think Hamilton's a very good chance of closing that gap. We mentioned Daniel Ricciardo earlier. He obviously got AlphaTauri's biggest points of the year, P7, with a, a strong impression um, and strong performance, leaving that impression on Christian Horner, who was um, very optimistic and complimentary of Daniel after the race in Mexico. He only has four races under his belt at this point, uh, but do you feel like he can continue, Nate, with this pace, with this performance through the end of the season? Yeah, it's it's difficult to know with 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 Daniel Ricciardo at the moment because 
he's had two very, very different races, diff- different race weekends. Austin, I think it was pretty ordinary. You know, he was coming back from, from that injury. And yeah, it was fantastic in, in Mexico. And I think the car is much more suited to the Mexico uh, circuit. I think this is actually, a for Red Bull, will be a really key insight into Ricardo because I think one of the problems at, Mercedes, uh, sorry, at McLaren was that he actually had a very good Mexican Grand Prix, if you remember last year, after he'd been let go by uh, McLaren. That was actually one of the f- one of the last few great races that he had there. It's keeping that consistency. And there's if you actually look at Ricardo's career, there's certain places that where he's always done well. And Mexico is always a place where he's you know, he's just been confident. He's done very, very... I think his results are pretty strong there. He had pole one year. I remember he stole it from Verstappen. Could have been the youngest ever. And he stole it right at the end with a, with a late lap. Um, so he's always been good there. So I think that, yeah, he... I, I can see him kicking on. What's funny with Ricardo at the moment, just as a quick aside, is he's driving with his little pinky out. I don't know if you saw that because his um because it, because of his injury, he can't grip the steering wheel properly. So I'm not sure. I'm not sure at the moment if um if he's driving at full capacity because he said at the moment that's quite uncomfortable. But I don't know a place like a place like Brazil. Uh, I don't know. He he said today that the the, the sprint weekends might be a bit tougher on him. Um, but yeah, he it's it's great to see him back, and I think that one of the, one of the things that you could tell from talking to people around Ricardo was, obviously he was upset to l- miss all those races, but I think he felt there's a real good string of races there where the AlphaTauri should have been a lot stronger than the car that Nick DeVries had, for example, at the start of the season. So maybe we're just seeing that now. But um, yeah, he's definitely confident, and I think that Ricardo is one of those guys, especially that a confident Ricardo is a a, a Ricardo that p- performs well, and if he can keep it going in Brazil, then there's no reason he can't because I think that he. You know, he especially is is all down to his confidence. And right now he seems to be in a really good place. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better with the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit style pizza in the country. There's no competition right now. Get five dollars off any eight corner pizza with code eight save. That's the number eight S.A.V.E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Ten seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships. Your skills. Your customer base. How about businesses on Shopify? (laughs) Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a one dollar per month trial period at Shopify.com/network. All lowercase. Go to Shopify.com/network now to grow your business. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify.com/network. When you look at the rest of the grid, Lando went from 17th to 5th in Mexico. Hell of a drive. Aston Martin desperately needs a result. Ferrari's trying to turn strong qualifiers into strong results, certainly. And obviously, Piastri continues to just be so solid as a rookie. Who do you have your eye on when it comes to Brazil, Lawrence? Um, yeah, it's a good question, actually. Um, I think the... yeah the how competitive um, McLaren and Ferrari can be relative, because we already talked about Mercedes looking quite good. Um, I think that's interesting. And and as you say, like Leclerc is on two pole positions in a row, which is, it's just so Leclerc, isn't it? To be pulling out these amazing qualifying laps, but then not having the car underneath him. And I think that's what it is rather than Leclerc himself to then turn that into 
results in a race, um, which is pretty frustrating to watch. So um, I think it's, you know, it's a similar story we've had, we've had going forwards. Also, whether Williams turn up at any single race, you know, at the moment they're looking good. We just talked about Ricardo and Alfa Tauri. Um, while I think Ricardo's result in Mexico was really, really good, uh, Sonoda um, also got a good result in, in the USA, obviously got the fast lap there as well, which was a bit of a surprise. And so they've turned a corner with their performance of the car. Um, and meanwhile, you have these teams which are really struggling, you know, and Aston Martin's one of them, absolutely. And Haas as well as another, which has brought a big update, but it's just not really clicked. So, Nate, I've stolen everything there and said it's all going to be... <laughs> I've done that before, though. That's, that's, the Nate, that's right out of the Nate Sodders playbook. I usually do that. Um, <laughs> yeah, I was going to say Aston. I think that um, Aston is just the story that, you know, they've fallen away so much from um, where they were at the start of the year. Double DNF last time out. Um, and, yeah, you just... you Because, obviously, we're trying to work out where, what Aston Martin will get next year. Obviously, it's difficult to predict that with, with, with certainty, but they just seem to have fallen so far off of that pack of... McLaren, Mercedes, and Ferrari, who are chasing Red Bull, you know, six months ago after the start of the year, you'd have thought, well, they're going to be going into it, you know, into next season hot on Red Bull's heels, but they really haven't. So we need to see some, um, you know, some improvements there. I think that, you know, Alonso always comes out and puts on a brave face afterwards, but I think there's clearly some frustrations of how things are going there because at one point it was talking about winning races and now they're barely finishing them. So, um, yeah, good. curious to see how they get on uh, and whether they can kind of stop this slide a little bit. I will say I really appreciated Charles Leclerc fighting back. You said a lot of the fans had already left, but the, some stuck around to boo him in his post-race interview. I like that he was like, where did you want me to go? It was kind yeah. of spicy from Charles Leclerc, and I'm here for it. Yeah, and it's also, it's kind of like booing a Labrador, isn't it? Booing Charles Leclerc. It's like, you, you just wouldn't do it. And the dog would look at you like, what's, what are you booing me for, you know? I just thought of all the people of all the people to pick, yeah, Charles Leclerc is probably not the best one. Um, This is how my mind works. In the off-season, when we're looking for content, we're going to do a top-to-bottom. as dogs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which dog would be their perfect match? Okay. I think that's great. I, okay. I can't wait for that show already. It's going to be on unlapped. <laughs> And extra points if we can if we can match their name to so if, <laughs> if we can somehow change Charles Leclerc into like a, a Labrador or so, you know something like that. Um, please do send in your best if you're listening. Um, <laughs> I love it. Speaking of points, okay, we're getting to the end of the season. Here's an update. Thanks to Zach um, because we did not put in our predictions before Mexico. Uh, everybody has been given a full possible six points, which um, doesn't really. Change the disparity, but it's nice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. So Lawrence, you um, sit at the top with 52 points. Nate, a close second at 50 points. And Katie rounds out the bottom with 45 points. All right. Laz, heavy is the head that wears the crown. Give me your top three. Yeah. Okay. So I'm going to break from our tradition and say Lewis Hamilton wins. Oh, uh, nice. I'm going to go out there. It, this could be disastrous. Three rounds out for my, um, my championship lead here. So Lewis Hamilton wins, Max Verstappen second in a thrilling battle between the two, and Checo Perez finishes third. Okay, I love Ooh. it. So that was actually going to be my prediction. Maybe not with Perez oh, third, but I'm in. But I'm in a championship dogfight with Lawrence at the moment. So I'm going to mix it up because I don't gain anything if the prediction's the same, do I? So oh I would love, by the way, to see Lewis win. I think also we're approaching territory where. We could have two full seasons without Lewis Hamilton winning, which seems insane 
because for so long the record of his career was that he, he'd won a race every year of his career. I'm going to say Verstappen first, Lewis second after an epic battle between the two, uh, and third place George Russell because I do think the Mercedes this is a really strong track for them. And if you actually think about last year, um, Lewis you know ran George really close in the race as well, so should be a good weekend for them. Hard. I'm going to go with Max because that's not hard because I don't have, I can't play around like Lawrence can with some of his picks. I don't have that luxury. Max at the top. But you just picked Lewis, Nate. That's okay. I'm going to go with you. I'm going to ride with you. Lewis in second. We're trying to beat Lawrence at this point. So I think, I think we need to change our mindsets from predicting accurately and just how we're going to accumulate points. Roll the dice. Okay. That's what I'm doing now. This this isn't about, this isn't about predicting correctly. It's about beating Lawrence to, you know, scrabbling around. I I think you've got a safer bet than me on, on the basis of this season. Well, but yours, yours is definitely the more fun of the, of the two. Yeah. You know, Lewis winning. Mercedes winning. have with a two point lead. (laughs) (laughs) Max, Lewis, Charles. I'm going to re-rack them from Mexico. Okay. Nice. Nice. Yeah. That'd be a good race. Hmm. Well, and and um, no, not Austin as well because Lando was third, wasn't he? In Austin, Charles was fourth. Yeah, so uh, that, well, okay. Carlos ended up on the podium. So sorry we, before the before the Carlos. disqualification. Yeah. I mean, yeah, and yeah, yeah. Leclerc was sixth, I think, and got booted. That's Don't right, forget yeah. the asterisks of that race. How could you not? Yeah, yeah. No, I was just thinking where they were before. Yeah, never mind. Never it was mind. Leclerc's disastrous strategy because he did start on pole, but um, yeah, didn't work out. Don't bring it up. We were just hyping him. You know, they won't do it again. They won't do it again. They That's won't do it again. They've they've learned learned the <laughs> As always, I appreciate y'all's time. Enjoy the week at home. Enjoy the Brazilian Grand Prix. We'll be back with more action to unpack on Unlap. Thanks for listening. Remember, follow ESPN for more F1 content and hit us with a five-star review wherever you get your podcasts. Enjoy the weekend, guys. Cheers. Cheers.